got a high tackle. Back to Hodge. That's a goal, I think. It is. Hodge has done it from nowhere. Hodge just steals it from Griffin. The long, long bomb from the skipper. The smother and the intercept and then the finish. Absolute class. Oh, danger. Cut off. Hodge will kick a second. He does. The captain kicks the tenth. Giopolo, Hodge from the boundary. He's going to have a shot. Luke Hodge, have a look at that goal. You can't do that unless your name's Luke Hodge. The winner of the Norm Smith medal. The winner of the 2014 Norm Smith medal is Luke Hodge. Well, it's been another big week for the club, from a thrilling draw in Tassie to a Hawthorne great calling time on his career. Once again, we've got plenty to get through on today's show, so let's get down to business. Hello, my name is Nick Mason, and welcome to the most must-hear podcast for all fans of the Hawthorne Footy Club, the Hawk Talk Podcast. Now, still no tis this week. We're in the third and final week of his absence, you might like to know. In the meantime, though, I'd like to welcome a return special guest. He's a senior writer at AFL Media. You'd know him also from SEN, ABC Grandstand, the Four Horsemen podcast. Welcome once again, Ashley Brown. Hey, Nick. Good to be here. It's good to have you back. Now, on the day that we're recording, I noticed the AFL website published an article revisiting the crystal ball predictions that uh, a few of the AFL writers, including yourself, made at the start of the year. Now, you've got to be chuffed with how it turned out. Well, I've got a couple right, I think, haven't I? I mean, I've, I've, yep. I've whiffed on the Hawks because I had them finishing fifth or sixth. And that, I, that was about your only major error. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, no. I'm very, very proud of my Ryan Burton Rising Star prediction. That's right. You did indeed pick him for Rising Star. And very upset that because we, cause I work at the AFL, therefore not allowed to bet on football. Yeah. But the 33 <laughs> to 1. Oh, that he was being offered in uh, March, uh, <laughs> I wish I'd had a piece of it because uh, it would have been fantastic. You also got the um, the pick for recruit of the year, which you seem to be on the money for, Tom Mitchell. Yeah, I'm not sure who's going to beat Tom Mitchell. I mean, that's probably a, that's probably a more wide open field, I think, than the uh, than the rising star. But yes. he's uh, what are we up to now? Ten straight games with thirty plus possessions uh, or something. Yeah, so. I actually we're going to get into it later, but I believe it's twelve, well, which is go. insane. I think that that is officially an AFL record. I watched him in the finals last year, knowing that he was uh, likely coming to Hawthorne, and I watched him play mm. in the grand final, and I just thought, well, he's going to be so good for Hawthorne. So it was a fairly clear-cut decision for me to write him down at that, even back in uh, February, March, whenever I did that. You also predicted, this is a bit of an obscure one, I'll pay you this one, this is very good. You predicted that crowd records would be smashed. Now, as it turns out, the opening round of this season drew the biggest total crowd of any single round in VFL-AFL history. So right off the bat, I think he got that one right. Yeah, I think so. I think it was... Uh, people People like footy and being such an even season. And that was without knowing that Richmond were going to come good. And I think Richmond yeah. have been outdrawing everyone this season. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's, footy's in a good place, I think. And people enjoy going to the games. And, uh, you know, we had a you know, fairly rubbish soccer season. And uh, the I can't even remember back to last cricket season whether that was any good or not. But people are ready for... Don't think it was. I think it was great. And... <laughs> and, uh, and AFLW sort of wet everyone's appetite for the for the regular season, so yeah. I think it, 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 it ticked all the boxes. It's so funny how that works. I mean, the old saying is absence makes the heart grow fonder, and it feels like pre-season we were saturated with football more than ever, thanks to AFLW, uh, thanks to the JLT, and it seems like it got everyone super hyped for the, for the AFL season proper. Yeah, but JLT's become footy for nuffies. you really got to be... <laughs> you know, I know, I think you were doing podcasts through it. And we it's, were, and yes. It's fair enough because you know, people listen to this are uh, qualified as nuffies and I count myself <laughs> in that because I listen to the podcast through through the preseason <laughs> as well. But you know, the, the rest of the population sort of switches on for round one. Yeah, that, that is true, yeah. And, and they're ready for it. And I think the JLT's have become even less consequential going forward now. They're talking about only everyone playing two matches instead of three. I think that's fair enough. Yeah, um, I think there's a bit of overkill to it. These were the heady days of Cade Stewart kicking a goal after the siren. <laughs> that's right. Can you believe it? Oh, it's good memories. Beating Geelong. Yeah, that's right. Well, we hope to do that again this week. Uh, you also predicted, the last one here I want to cover, you predicted that the new normal would be star players being late withdrawals from a game and then missing the next two weeks. I feel like in Hawthorne alone, we've seen that all year. Oh, it's been unbelievable. That's just, just it talks about, that's Amira 
to a T, isn't it? Oh, exactly right. Yeah. What about Stratton and Birchall, I think it's happened with as well? Yeah, well, with Stratton, they've been fairly forthcoming. As we record this, they're actually dropping the injury list at about uh, shortly after we finish the podcast recording, so we're going to find out uh, that's, about, that's tricky about thing Birchall. About, so tricky we shouldn't say too much. Recording, it's... <laughs> You know, you have to take the scissors to the podcast after if anything gets announced. It's happened more than once this year. Now, uh, before we get to the big news that, uh, fortunately, this is something we didn't miss, uh, I'd like to say please rate and review us on iTunes. Everyone's been sensational with that so far. I think we're up to 29 straight five-star reviews. It's unbelievable. No one spoiled it yet. So keep that streak going for us. It really encourages us to keep on doing this. Uh, we're also on SoundCloud, and uh, you can find us on podcast apps as well. Hit us up on uh, Twitter, at HawkTalkPod. That's where you want to find us. A great conversation happening this week. It's all due to uh, the announcement of one man. It's a timely appearance for yourself, Ash, because you've written a feature on the warrior himself, whose career is officially winding down now, Luke Hodge. When and where can we read that? That'll be in the AFL record this weekend. So There you go. Uh, all of you going to the game at the MCG on um, Saturday, and let's hope there's a lot of you. Oh, uh, I should hope so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be, the, uh, it'll be one of the sort of feature articles for the, uh, for the weekend in the record. So I chatted in last week, um, went out and had a coffee at the footy club early last week. It was the day after the Collingwood game, actually. Mm. Had a good chat. I mean, I've interviewed him several times over over the over yeah. the journey. I had a chat to him in Tassie in the preseason mm. as well, but um, he didn't quite say he was going to retire. But it was a very strong inkling from what he <laughs> from reading the tea leaves, as you do. Uh, I, yes. I walked away even more convinced that he was about to pull a pin. And I think it's actually a smart media play, Nick, to yeah to do what he did uh, this week rather than sort of go through the whole rigmarole of the 300 game press and then do it again yep. in seven weeks time when he'd already made up his mind uh, was a good play so now we get to celebrate it it's interesting suddenly people are making plans to go watch him play my daughter's overseas at the moment travelling and she's back in the uh, middle of August and she's saying oh dad we have to go to a game now before the end of the year I've got to watch I've got to watch him play one more time so um, I think it's going to be like that for Hawthorne supporters I think uh, that last game against the Bulldogs yep. and I'm on the basis that Hawthorne's not going to play finals. Mm-hmm. Um, that last game going to Bulldogs, which could also be the, the last game for Robert Murphy, That's right. yep. Matthew Boyd, and maybe Dale Morris at the, at the Docks Oof. and Travis Cloak, um, yeah. could be huge. So that'll be a very emotional game. So, uh, yeah, you get the tickets when they come on sale. Absolutely. It's one that I'm very much bummed to miss. I won't get to see Bulldogs bomb out of the finals race as well, which is a shame. Which They might be gone by then. The way they might be gone by then, yeah. I, I, you know, I, was, I thought Hawthorne was going to have the pleasure of doing it, but it might not come to that. Uh, let's talk about Luke Hodges' uh, accomplishments. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's been sounded off a lot in the last couple of days. Uh, debuted round five, 2002. I was there. You were there. I was there. I reckon I would have been there, but I have no memory of it. Well, it was on the Hawthorne website, the highlights. Yeah. Uh, my recollection was that two things that I remember from that game were they showed the highlights. One was he sort of ducked out of a tackle. Yes. Yep. And then set up the handball that got the goal to uh, Shane Crawford, I think it was. Yes. The other one was when he wrestled with uh, Brad Ottens. That sounds about right. And just gave it to him. <laughs> pushed, pushed and had a wrestle. And Ottens was looking to the umpire. This is a side of things. Ottens was looking pleadingly towards the umpire for a free kick, which is obviously adopting his Geelong mentality before he even joined Geelong. Um, but... No fear. No. From game one, no fear. Old habits die hard. He's still got that fight in him. Uh, And he was picked from the Geelong Falcons. And since then, four-time Premiership player, two-time Norm Smith medalist, two-time Peter Crimmins medalist, that's in 05 and uh, 2010, and three-time All-Australian, which includes the captaincy in 2010. It's not a bad resume. It's an outstanding resume, isn't it? It Um, it doesn't feel right that I moved through it so quickly, actually, now that I've gone through it. Well, it's all the great games and all the memories that sort of come flooding back now. I've actually got to write a piece for the website mm. uh, for later in the week, which I'll start working on this afternoon, about mm. his five best finals games for Hawthorne. And, oh, uh, that's tricky. Yeah, that's, I've, I've sort of got a, a, a rough I've got a rough idea in my mind of the five, yep. but I'll need to do a bit of research so that I don't... Um, yeah, I'm I don't not, miss one. I'm not going to press you to spoil your number one either. I, I'm going to let people read that. But uh, outside of finals moments, they're obviously the big games. But do you have any personal favourite Hodge moments that you can draw on? I've got a few. And the three from early in his career that come to mind was there was a game in 2005. We hadn't been Essendon for a long time. Mm. Mm. Um, we played him in the MCG. We'd been robbed against them earlier in the season. Um, <laughs> that was the Dean Solomon or the the 
touch on the line sort of game. Oh, I sort of remember that, yeah. Um, that was the first game Roughhead, Franklin and Lewis all played in the same team. I think it was Roughhead's right. debut game. That was... Um, so we played them later in the year. It was a heritage round. So for Hawthorne, we're wearing these red, white and blue jumpers. Mm. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Hodge played really well. In that, and it was the first time Hawthorne beat Nesson for about seven or eight years, I think. Jeez. Um, they were long overdue for, to, to beat the Bombers. And Hodge played really well that day. Mm. The next one, I know this is a favourite of a, a lot of the HHQ people. Mm. Um, the next year, I played Geelong on Easter Saturday, it was. I wasn't at the game, but it was live on telly. Yep. Um, and Hawthorne went down Geelong were given no chance to win. And yeah. Hawthorne won comfortably. And there was a stage in the third or the last quarter when Hodge got the ball in the pocket to the left of screen pocket. Yes. Whatever, I don't know. I was confused which is a city end at Geelong and which is, which is not. But, <laughs> um, he got the ball in that left of screen pocket, danced around a couple of players. A Geelong player, it might have been Steve Johnson, mm. tackled him and dacked him. So he had his shorts sort of hanging halfway down his ass. Can I say that word? Yeah, sure. Um, and he, and he, <laughs> I'll probably say much worse yeah. before the podcast and is he, out. <laughs> uh, and he kicked the goal uh, yeah. on his left foot, which was fantastic. <laughs> and then the other one was the 2008 the um, at Footy Park against the Crows where he did the big sort of weave with the ball and kicked the match winner. It was, uh, yeah. it was only about 20, 25 metres out, but the stage of the game and the audacity to sort of do the big weave to it was like calm his, the Adelaide player. Yeah, it was like he was running on a different clock. It was like time just stood still. And yeah. He had so like an uncanny sort of composure to be able to do that. The remarkable thing about that was Stephen Quartermain was commentating the game and <laughs> Quartermain does the professional thing and tries to say and, and tries to call it pretty straight but you can know, and I know quarters reasonably well yeah. he would have been jumping up and down <laughs> uh, with excitement he loves Luke Hodge as much as anybody yeah. and uh, that was another great Luke Hodge moment and that's sort of around the, that was when it became fairly clear that he was becoming a really good f- footballer and yep. in my even though and I'll write this in the article from talking to him, that he really started turning his career around in 2005. Mm. It was around that time that I started having discussion with people that no one would listen. That's when I started to say, listen, he might yet end up being as good as Judd. Yeah, right. Because that was Judd's first year at Carlton 2008, and by then he was had groin issues. Mm. And he's still a great player, and he would win another Brownlow at Carlton. Mm. But I don't think he was quite the player he was at West Coast, whereas Hodge was just getting better and better every year. And that's the year I was, would tell anyone that listens that, listen... When these when their careers are done and dusted, Hodge might be an, end up being the better footballer, which is a very untrendy, unpopular point of view to take. <laughs> yes, it was outside anyone who backed for Hawthorne. Yeah, <laughs> but games like that from Hodge in two thousand eight, and then obviously what we saw later in the year, uh, certainly st- in my mind, started mm. to shift that debate. Even I think internally, certainly trawling Hawk headquarters in the past couple of days, and uh, you know, someone very handily dredged up all these articles from about 2003-4-5 and uh, I think there was one in particular where it might have been from the age I couldn't quite access it I, I don't even think it exists online anymore but the headline sort of inferred that um, uh, that Schwab said he'd made the wrong choice <laughs> with recruiting Hodge over Judd which yeah, is I'm not sure well I mean I, yeah I'd like to, I saw that as well and I, I didn't track down the article but I think it was it was a difficult time because, yeah. and Hodge explains this in the article that in the interview I did with him. Mm. He was dry, and I didn't actually know this. I thought I knew everything about Luke Hodge, but I didn't actually know this. Mm. When he came to Hawthorne, he was in year eleven. He actually was still in year eleven when he was drafted. So he came to Hawthorne, hadn't finished school. So he, first, he, he came over with osteitis pubis, which is reasonably well known. He was trying to complete year twelve in his first year at Hawthorne as well, unsuccessfully as it turned out. Whereas. He says Chris Judd was a year older, living in Melbourne, had, um, therefore had the ability to network with league footballers and know a bit more about it. Went to Corfield Grammar, which is a finishing school for mm-hmm. aspiring league footballers. So he said, Juddy, and he says it in, in not, and this is not without a jealous bone in his body. He's just yeah. stating fact. He said Juddy had a lot more, was a lot more advanced, a lot, re- lot more ready, and had more advantages than him going to their respective first seasons of football. So mm. no surprise to anybody that he struggled when compared to Judd in those first few years. To go through some of my uh, favourite moments, they're all fairly recent, admittedly. I'm still riding high off our glory years. Uh, the kiss on Buddy's cheek. Yes. I just think, well, he's had... This is the thing. I don't envy you going, like, sifting through his finals moments because he's had so many... Uh, you know, whether they're in front of goals or just in general play or even off the play like this one. Uh, it's just so... I think that's 
such an immortalised grand final moment. But it was all, that was, but it was also the the intercept goal, where you intercept oh, the kick yeah. out goal, and that was probably the goal that put the dagger in the Swans' hearts. I mean, we yeah. were all sitting there thinking, oh, they could still come back, they could still come back. Yeah. But to a lot of neutrals, it was like, well, that's it. The, yeah, over it certainly was to me live at the ground. I thought that was the KO punch, basically, that assured me that we were going to win. Uh, you know, speaking of goals, the impossible goal in the 2015 grand final, we can't overlook that either. You want to talk of immortalised moments in grand finals, then that was just ridiculous. Yeah, that <laughs> was a, insane. Yeah, that was a fantastic goal. And it had me right in front of where a lot of Hawthorne people were sitting, and then they just turned to the crowd, and that, that was just gold. Uh, one that I forgot about. Uh, up until the last couple of days, someone pointed it out to me. I had to find it on YouTube. I certainly remembered the moment, but tracking it down on YouTube, you remember how important it was. The smother against Port Adelaide in the prelim final, I believe it was 2014, that effectively saved the game. Yeah, Port were charging, weren't they? We were, we were all sitting there with our hearts in our mouths as Port mounted this impossible comeback and it needed one act to save the game. And that was, well, actually, too, I think it was a state. Brian Lake caused a crowd of stoppage. Yeah. Uh, at one stage, um, but Hodges smother as well. Mm. Um, it was enormous, and then yeah, and it might have been something. To, oh, I could check, but in 2012 preliminary final, he might have done something mm. as well. Um, it's against the Crows, was it? Yeah, against the Crows. Yeah. It might have been Hodge in that game who, yeah, who did right. something too. But I need to check that. Um, but yeah, that that was a, a monumental act as well. So he's just been a good finals player, even going back to. 2007, he mm. got injured in the second quarter against Adelaide at Eddie Head. Yeah. And in the third quarter, he helped turn around. Buddy won the game, and Buddy was magnificent that day. Yeah, but, yeah. but Hodge's leadership was really important that game. And 2008 mm. grand final, where after being, he played with broken ribs. Yes, yeah. As it turned out, or cracked ribs, as it turned out. Yeah. And, uh, Didn't mind showing showing them to Stokes to, to Stokes, say have yeah, a pop. Stokes jabbed him in the ribs, and Hodge just laughed at him. And uh, <laughs> then went out to win the Norm Smith medal. So That is fantastic. I mean, I know Gary Abbott got a lot of touches that day, but, you know, the most influential player on the ground that day surely was Hodge. But, I mean, even, you know, you referenced Gary Ablett, even famously in the third quarter, he dishes a handball off and then comes that famous line, I think it was Bruce McAvaney saying, Geelong have run out, of, run out of ideas by the look of it. Yeah. Which is exactly what happened. It's like if the ball wasn't with Ablett, they just had no idea what to do and they ran into trouble. Yeah, so Hodge was out. He was just a, just a player who relished, playing, relished the big stage, Played the bigger, the better the occasion, the better he played. So, what do you make of this decision? I, um, that that's the debate among Hawks supporters right now. People with tears in their eyes, but also maybe a smile on their face, remembering everything that he's given to the club. What do you make of his decision to retire? I think it's the right one. I think um, that yeah, he could have squeezed out another season, and he's been effective, mm. uh, an effective player for a lot of the season. But I think the Adelaide game probably convinced everybody that there is you know, light at the end of the tunnel and the, even again the Giants game on Saturday. Mm. That, you know, the back line did pretty well. Hawthorne will lose games next year. This unbelievable record Hawthorne has in close games I think is partly due to having Hodge on the side. That's a fair call. And I think not having Hodge there next year will probably still have Berg on for one more year. Mm. Um, but not having Hodge play next year will cost Hawthorne a couple of games at times next year. But I think that's a, something they're prepared to wear. Yep. Um, yep. And in a year when there's a strong draft, uh, when there's been a bumper draft next season, it's probably, again, putting the club first. It's interesting that the perception from people outside, I had this discussion with um, actually people I do my podcast with who were mm. saying, well, why would he's left, he's left the door open to play somewhere somewhere else next year? Mm. You know, I don't, I didn't get that vibe from talking to him. Others pe- people think that, you know, given he said, you know, his body and mind still feels good that he's leaving a, a, a win- the window ajar to play elsewhere. There's a sense of finality about it, that press conference. I think so. Well, certainly a sense of finality with Hawthorne. Um, mm. He will be approached to play. I'm sure Chris Fagan will sit down and have a chat with him. But the yeah. thing about Hodge is if the Brisbane Lions are based in Melbourne and, f- and so like Fagan was coaching them here, mm. I think there would be a case to say he might sw- Play one more season elsewhere, as almost like a Sam Mitchell as yeah. a step in, as a you know, almost as a on-field coach. But I think that he's got too much going on in Melbourne mm. in terms of his media work, and his kids are settled here and what have you with with, with his wife, I, with, with Lauren. So I, 
I'd, I'd be really surprised if he plays next year. I'd say, but I wouldn't entirely rule it out. If, if no, he, no. Well, it's been swirling around. Obviously, the idea of him going to Geelong, no, and then just, as you say, that's, Brisbane. That's just a piss take. That's just Hutchie. That's just a, that's, <laughs> that's just a, that's just a piss take. And then, then a, a lot of what Hutchie says is is a piss take. He just yeah. doesn't realise it. Yeah, I don't think he'll play. I, I don't think he'll play. I wouldn't entirely rule it out. He seems to be pretty happy with the thought of doing media next year and having yeah. weekdays to do whatever it is he wants to do and be a dad and be a be a, a bloke and what have you. It would be um, a bit of pill to swallow, I think, for Hawks fans. Uh, we've got, as much as we've won flags, we've gone through a lot. Losing Buddy was pretty hard. That was heartbreaking for me personally. He was my favourite player. Uh, and Lewis and Mitchell was sort of, that snuck up on people a bit. And yeah. to see Hodge go to another club as well. That... Yeah, I don't think we should dwell on too much because I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, <laughs> right, we can, we can he move will, He may wear, po- wear the polo shirt of another club as an assistant coach, if not next season, then down the track. But that's okay. I, I, think, he, I think he'll be a one-club player. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, now, another idea that's been swirling around this announcement is that he was shown the door. The club thought it might have been in the best interest for Hawthorne to, to move him on and have a word to Hodge and get him to announce it. Do, do you think that's likely? Because going by, I, I tend to take things at face value, which I don't know how naive that is, but looking at the press conference and hearing what he had to say, I thought it was very genuine. It didn't feel like he was being shuffled out. I think Clarkson will be quite pleased with the way the... And I actually put this on Twitter, that I think the club is actually... It's turning out quite well for the club with these staged exits. So two last year... Mm. Be two this year, yeah, and there'll be two, or even maybe three, but probably two next year. Mm. Um, and that's really good way. It's not going to be four or five at once like North did, and we're seeing what's happened to North this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that uh, by losing four players and they're the seventeenth on the ladder. So I think in the perfect world to do it, stagger over three seasons has been good. I, I think he's actually. I think this has been in, in the wings for a while. I think he played this season knowing it was going to be his last season. I think that mm. was the discussion. I think Clarkson said we don't want to lose three at once play mm. one more year he certainly took and, and the deal was he's playing for a lot less money this year mm. he's got the freedom to do media which he's doing either channel seven or triple m yes yeah. pretty much every week now um that was part of the deal as well and that, and that led to the issue at the start of the year when he was suspended because he has mandated he has extra time off from the, away from the club mm. all the club asks is that if you're taking that extra time that we're giving you we want to know we need it confirmed mm. can't mm. stop not turn up sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Which is what happened. So and he didn't communicate it. So I think that um, I think this is all all part of a plan that was jointly signed off between Hodge and Clarkson. Maybe he was playing some good footy at stage and he might have thought, oh, you know, maybe I could squeeze out one more year. But I, And if there was a discussion with the coach about it, I suspect the coach said, no, nah, we'll, let's stick with the plan. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I imagine there is a plan in place, as you say. I, I would like to think that's what happened. Um, you know... I reckon he could have gone on one more year, but you just, you know, as was raised with uh, talking to people on Twitter, sometimes you just never know. Maybe that that extra year with Hawthorne could have been, maybe not only to the detriment of the team, but maybe to himself. It might have been that one year too long. What if he got hurt and yeah. missed half a season? That's no way. For, he's going to finish the season playing maybe 20 games. Yeah. yeah. End of the season being a really effective footballer who'll, and he'll still be in our best players a few times between now and the end of the season. So I think it's a fantastic way for him to to finish up and uh, goes out still playing good footy with his head held high. As it, who can think of a better way to... I mean, other than the Shane Crawford way of retiring. <laughs> that, that is the ultimate, yeah. I can't, think of, uh, I can't think of too many more ways to finish up his career. The only shame is that, um, you know, that bloody home game in the last ones that Eddie had. Yeah. Because he, as he said in his press conference the other day, you know, he, all he wanted to do was play on the MCG. So he's got three more goes at it. The Swans game... That Friday night game in a couple yep. of weeks, which I think will be a really big game. Mm-hmm. It's his last MCG home game, which is of significance. Yeah, he gets one last game in Tasmania, which is nice. Yep, and he gets the last MCG game with Richmond in a few weeks. So now uh, it's 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 a really nice way to go. Now you might be in a better position, I'm almost certain, certain that you are, than me to be able to answer this. What is the likelihood with these things in terms of? moving the game from Eddie had and shuffling some things around for round 23 because Hawthorne fans are crying out for it and I dare say maybe maybe some Bullies fans would be too by the end of it well I think if it comes down to if, if it is Murphy's last game mm. and, and he's the significant one of the dogs and I mean, Boyd's been a great player and so is Dale Morris so, I mean they, this is all a long way off 
because they must all be in finals contention, so there's unlikely to be retirement announcements. Yeah. But if it turns out that way, the AFL now owns Eddie Head Stadium, so the AFL, by moving the game, the AFL's taking money off itself. Yes, so right. Why I wouldn't be getting too excited about a move, even though it, in, in theory it'd be wonderful. Mm. Um, the reason I'd, I don't think they'll do it is because um, commercially it, it, it won't work for the AFL to do that. They're, they're paying, they've borrowed a lot of money to pay for the stadium mm. and every cent counts in the repayments. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's true. So it, they, they, they've got a certain number of games that guaranteed money coming in. I mean, it's. I mean, Hawthorne supporters generally don't like going there. It's, it never feels right. No. When it's <laughs> even when we're the, it never. I mean, don't mind playing as your away team, but it never feels right when Hawthorne's the home team. No, certainly not. Um, but this will be the exception. It'll be, it'll be pretty full. I imagine every Hawthorne supporter that I know will go. I mean, in the timing would be good. I mean, I think it. Particularly if they've now got this idea, they're thinking about. Geelong Giants on a Monday night to finish the season. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. They've got a bit of scope and flexibility for this game. I think it would make a great, would make a great Friday night game. Well, whatever happens, whenever it is, wherever it is, uh, Luke Hodge, we salute you. I'll be sad to miss it, but hey, that's that's why an announcement right now is good because the farewell tour starts now. So I'll be getting down to the uh, the Geelong game and every game I can. Because uh, I won't be there at the uh, the final one, which is going to be a damn shame. You're going to be getting down to the Bulldogs one, you reckon? Uh, I'll be. Well, yeah. I mean, unless there's a compelling reason. If it's on the same time as, as one of the games that could decide the eight professionally, I might yes. need yep. to be happy. But I'll be doing everything I can to, to beat that last game. But uh, I was, funny, I'm looking at that, that last home game on the Friday night, which I'd like to think. I've said this, I think, when I was on a couple of weeks ago. Mm. I'd like to think that'll be Gibbo's last game. Yes, yeah, could be. Could um, be. Which, would be, which would be a big occasion as well. Yeah. Uh, now we move on. This is uh, an odd podcast in a way. It's, it's a bittersweet one with Hodge retiring and now we're going to get stuck into the recap of uh, what happened on the weekend. It's coming a bit late this week, but still worth talking about. Hawthorne drew with Greater Western Sydney 14-13-97 to 15-7-97 at the University of Tasmania Stadium. Uh, now... <laughs> I'm a glass half full kind of person on this one. What's your reading on it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be 13 points behind with five minutes to go mm. against the Giants and still be able to escape with a, a semi-result, I think was a, a, a good outcome. And I I thought with Birchall, I mean, they played so well for the previous two weeks and I thought having Birchall back in the side was a really big reason for that. Yeah. So when he didn't play, I looked at that back line and thought, gee, if you take Hodge out of that back line and the crunching numbers of games played for the rest of them <laughs> there ain't much there um, my biggest fear was who the bloody hell's going to stop Patton turns out no one <laughs> he booted no. five but uh, you know he was, the, he was the difference between the two sides then wasn't he but I yeah. thought the team I thought they again the, the resilience was fantastic um, a couple of the whipping boys played well again I mean Chris, uh, Will Langford three goals yeah Jesus um, I love her Chris Langford yeah Will Langford <laughs> three goals was good I thought Billy was uh, was pretty good again um, the super st- uh, the, the next Hodge the smarts at the end to <laughs> punch the ball through I mean he's a second earlier we put, no, is that, is that just his code name now the next Hodge well he's the next Berg on the next Hodge of the general. <laughs> I, I saw that uh, Jeff Kennett said it. his tweet about Hodge was one as one general retires, where uh, the, the next one's rising. So I think yeah. he was referring to Burton as well. So. Well, well, that was my reading on it. Yeah. I, t- I got onto that immediately. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I thought that just a lot of good signs uh, there. That um, this was a game by Rice. They shouldn't they shouldn't have won. They had a few out. The Giants had a few out. Hawthorne had a few out. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. Generally good signs, and they played some pretty good football to, to get to nearly four goals up in the last quarter. In terms of stats, we, we ticked a couple of good boxes. We won contested footy 152 to 126. So, you know, I, statistically, I don't know if you'd call that a smashing or not, but that's a really good well, sign. Well, Hawthorne stands as a smashing. Well, it is. I mean, you know, that's been a, a, an aspect of our game that people have lamented over the years is that we're not big on contested footy. So to come out and do that was really good. Had nine more inside 50s, which I know will be bittersweet to some people, <laughs> indicating we should have won it. Uh, but no, I'm a glass up full kind of guy because, I mean, you know, the fact was, in really layman's basic terms, we were about to lose the game and then we didn't. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm pretty pleased that we didn't lose. I missed a couple of shots I should have got. I mean, Bruce missed that one that um, in the last quarter that he should have kicked. Langford hitting the post from top oh, of the goal yeah. score almost was uh, 
was, I was actually at the MCG uh, at Collingwood Essendon, but I was watching it on the telly yep. with a guy, Michael Dodge, who's a leading uh, footy photographer, also mm. a Hawthorne man. And we and Hodge, and Langford took that mark, and we both turned to each other and said, "You won't kick it." And no. sure enough, <laughs> we just started erupting in the press box when, uh, when as expected, the ball hit the post. Yeah. But then I thought Langford was great, and I thought he was, uh, you know, that that move. I mean, what Clarkson's done with the team is is remarkable, and mm. the, the, the the move, some subtle, some not so subtle, that he's made. Mm. He, every move he's made the last few weeks has come off moving Langford to sort of be play more on the forward line. Duray yeah. as a as a negating small forward, but with Piopolo and Rioli out of the side, yeah, it's been really good. I mean, I thought. Dre would go back without Birchall on the side, but no, he kept that. Him that there. was expected, but no, he, he's stuck fast on. And that I one. would imagine that um, someone's going to have to play on Tui. Yeah, on, yeah. on Saturday, uh, Zach Tui, who's been f- fabulous for Geelong, and I would imagine Dre, the way things are going, will we'll get first crack at that role. I tell you what, there are a couple of names you mentioned just before, uh, Langford being one of them, also Hartung. I've had to swallow my pride again. What did I so, say? I told you, Nick. You just don't <laughs> me. Yeah, I, look, I've been critical of them. And, you know, I will say they are still frustrating. But uh, when you look at Hartung's game, he was one of our best. And then you look at, you know, for the pure fact that Langford drew the game for us and saved saved the day. I mean, I can't be too critical of them anymore. Langford is remarkable for the fact that the three key highlights of his career have all been kind of similar. You got the... Uh, the 2014 grand final yep. where he, he just a no look kick that bounces ridiculously and goes oh it's one of the greatest goals I've ever seen and uh, then you got Melbourne earlier this year where it was a one on one contest and he manages to sneak it through and it bounces miraculously through the goals and then you've got this one where yeah. again another insane bounce so I can't, it might have been Reese Shaw's head I think it was yeah, it an arsy, went over an arsy bounce but the and I know that was, I think I saw on, on Twitter before uh, when you asked us some questions. Another reason why Hawthorne are playing better is mm. Ryan Schoenmakers. Mm. In 2015, Clarkson would tell anyone who would listen, listen, he is really important to our structure, the way he plays the game, the way he, out of the forward line. Well, he's getting back to playing that hit-up third forward role yeah. quite well. And what they've worked out, they can't have him and Gunston doing that in the forward line. So what have they done with Gunston, who's got this fantastic tank? Move him to sort of fighting between halfback and wing. Yeah, and that's again a, a sign of great coaching. Daniel Howe to the midfield as a as a sort of run with midfield has been outstanding, and that's important because it frees up. Like, it, it means that teams won't necessarily want to put too much work into Tom Mitchell. So it yeah, allows Tom Mitchell to do what he wants to do, just get the ball, knowing that hopefully the opposition's best ball winner is being sat on a bit by Howe. Mm. I know Shield had thirty one touches on on a Saturday and played quite well. But, I mean, he could have... Yeah, I don't think he'd probably dominate the game as as he might have. No, I mean, you know, as you point out, how in that role is a bit of a revelation of, like, the last month or so. And there's going to be games where it doesn't come off quite as well as others. Against Adelaide and then against Collingwood, I think it was, is fantastic. We tried to do the same thing against GWS. I thought it was effective to a degree. Shield got loose a bit. But you're right, it probably does take the heat off, the heat off Mitchell a bit, who... I tell you what, let's look at his stats for this game. He notched up 30-plus disposals again, and that makes it, as I said, 12 consecutive games of 30-plus disposals. That's a record. Uh, the AFL website reports that among those to have played at least 50 games since stats were being recorded for this in 1965, Mitchell boasts the highest disposal average ever. There you go. So he's a fair player. <laughs> he's uh, a fair pickup. He's, he's doing really well. And we again, all we can do is hope that if... The other bloke gets his knees right. Oh. They'll be they'll just complement each other beautifully for, from next season. Or yeah. even maybe maybe even late this season. It's it's a massive what if, isn't it? Because that was definitely the plan to have this dynamic yeah. duo in the engine room. Yeah. Oh, it would have been amazing. But um, you're right. We might see it at the end of this season. Yeah. Tom Mitchell's been um, Tom Mitchell's been outstanding. The other move, of course, is Sicily to the back line. Yes. He got, he got coaches' votes this week. He, yep. I think he's the second best player according to the coaches. Um, or third best player. He's been a phenomenon. Uh, that's an, that's an yet another thing. That experiment of Sicily down back. I was super critical of that on this podcast. Maybe that's the key here, Ash. I've just got to be, I've got yeah. to, uh, be critical of everyone and they suddenly turn in a good patch of form. I thought Sicily lacked the um, 
because he's so you know he used to be so easily rattled in the forward line. So I actually yeah. thought he lacked the the mental stamina. I think to play that sort of role, but yep. it's just it's been a revelation that to play him there. He backs himself in these intercept marking and be able to get the ball and he disposed of the ball pretty well. He did uh, twenty two touches against the Giants, twelve of them contested, which is great to see. Running at eighty six point four percent efficiency. So you're right there. He was using the ball certainly very well. Uh, now Ben McAvoy as well, I thought was really good. Uh, he returned to the kind of form he was showing earlier this year. Is the most dominant ruckman on the ground by a country mile. He beat yeah. Mumford. He beat Lobb. Easy. And Shane Mumford has bullied Hawthorne. Yeah, like yep. he bullies a lot of teams. The last few times he's played against <laughs> Hawthorne. So to actually play in a game where we had the better of the ruck against Shane Mumford um, was a was a really good sign. So that's why I agree with you. I think all things considered, it was certainly a a glass half full game, and there was uh, more to be pleased about than displeased. Yeah, certainly. I want to give some honourable mentions. Uh, Heatherly, I think, is finding his feet. Um, I think he only had nine touches, but he actually only had four marks, but it was the kinds of marks he took. Yeah. Really, really crucial stages of the game. Heatherly was, Heatherly's been good. I mean, he's been so patient. Well, what we're seeing, Nick, is the, the old Hawthorne apprenticeship system, for want of a better word. Yes, yeah. Where those guys just played two, three, sometimes three years of used to be reserves football, now it's VFL football. So Hawthorne guys are coming in. It often costs Hawthorne in terms of rising star nominations. They've had two this year, which is remarkable by Hawthorne standards. Normally Hawthorne players don't debut till they're too old to win the rising star. Um, <laughs> but it's worth it. They they get they play in the VFL, they develop physically, they learn the game plan, they're really well coached. Mm. They can come in at senior level, and this is what we're seeing this year, that guys like Hardwick, oh, oh, he's only been a season really before he broke into the in the seniors, but mm. um, yeah, Heavily's an example of that. Howe's an example of that to a degree. Um, they've done their time at Box Hill and they're ready to play when they come in. Were you at any stage this year a doubter of Alistair Clarkson? Oh, God, no. No, I didn't think you were. <laughs> He's the best coach. He is so far <laughs> and away the best coach of the AFL. It is not funny. And... I don't know whether he's, you know, he's got two years to go after this. I don't know whether he's going to coach any longer than that. But I think he he sees the chance that what's the what to? I mean, he inherited a group and took it to the to the top of the mountain. Mm. If he was to do it again, yeah, that would cement him as the not only led them to the top time. of the mountain. He stuck yeah. a flag in the ground, yeah. set up a campsite, and stayed yeah. there for about three years. Yeah. So, so he, uh, I've not in any doubt, and you know, people who who understand how the game is played on the ground. Yeah. Far smarter than I do, saying that he's doing things again that are out of the box and yep. people haven't worked out yet. So I'm not sure he'd be saving. I, I, I would imagine that he's saving stuff for next year. I mm. don't think he. Mm. I don't think he's showing all his cars in terms of just to salvage the season and you know, to get Hawthorne off the bottom. But I think he generally likes what he's seen. I think um, this is something he hasn't done before: is take is shepherd one group out and shepherd the next group in. Yeah. Yep. It's a pretty crucial time for the club, but I think we're starting to see results, which is great. Let's get to some Twitter questions and comments. Uh, not too many this week. I think everyone's been too preoccupied with the Hodge content I was putting out <laughs> instead of looking at my call for questions. Uh, we've heard from Angelo, who does mention, uh, as you brought up before, he asked about show and makers. Now, his question is pretty simple. Show and makers to stay? Now, it sounds like you want him to stay for reasons you've outlined. But yeah, we, he but might we, not want to stay. He, yeah. he might... I don't, not sure what the market would be out there for him. He might decide that if he was so, if someone's off him two or three years, yeah. I'm not sure he would get more than a 12 month contract extension from yeah. Hawthorne, but yeah. he might decide that there's two, if someone offers him two or three years, he might well take it and he wouldn't stand in his way if that was the case. No. But I'd like to think he would stay. Again, when he gets his body right, mm. last year was shot, his body was shot, he didn't play much. This year, he's been very patient. Um, Mm. And Clarkson's gone out of his way to lord both him and Taylor Duray for as being great club men for, for you know, basically playing it several weeks at Box Hill before they played senior footy. Now, now call me cynical, but when I hear something like that, uh, it reminds me of uh, full support of the players, full support <laughs> of the board. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, there could be an element of that. I said I wouldn't be surprised if Showmakers didn't play fourth or next year. I wouldn't be particularly too cut up if he doesn't play for the yeah. footy club. No, I, I think there's a role there for him next year if he wants it because I know that when Hawthorne's playing its best footy and 2015 was an example of that and the last few weeks have been an example of that, he's played a particular role and played it well. I just don't know where he'd end up. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he left. I think, as you say, he has been very patient. I just I can't picture a club 
in a specific club that would take him. But, you know, I guess we'll see. We'll you also see wonder the whether, whether one of the ex-Hawthorne people out there coaching, you also might see some value in him. Yeah, that's true. You know, whether someone like Brendan Bolton think he can do he, he could help out at Carlton for a year or two, or does he get, does he go to the... Or the not, maybe not Lions, because they've got these really impressive emerging key position mm. players, mm. but um, whether there's a role, one of those... One of his former coaches might yeah. want him. God knows there's a few of them out there now. <laughs> Yeah. Furnished a few clubs with our uh, with our property. I could see him going to a team like Melbourne. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. Um, let's get to to a question. I want to revisit this question from Danny because I think it's interesting. Coming off a draw in particular, uh, what are our revised expectations for the rest of the season? Do you think? Like, what are you as as a Hawthorne man? What what do you want to see the team do or end up by the end of season two thousand seventeen? Well, I'd like to see them win it. I said this two, two, two weeks ago that they'll probably, when they had nine to go, they'll either go four, five, or five, four. Now there's a mm. draw there. So I still think they'll win, what have we got, seven to go? I still think they'll win three or four from here. Yep. Um, you know, I think I was a bit worried about the Carlton game, but I think with a guy that crips out for the rest of the season now, for the Carl- that sort of makes the Carlton game, I think, a bit more winnable than, yeah. it, than, it, than it might have been a few weeks ago. And God knows I. My life would be in misery if we ever lose to Carlton again. <laughs> it's the death of a hashtag. Oh, Last time Carlton beat Hawthorne, yeah. I think it is. Yeah. I think um, so. There's a couple of players I like to see. I mean, I know that there are supporters saying that uh, they'd see Connor Glass before the end of the season. Mm, yep. I'm open to that. Uh, I'd like to see Pitney play another game just to see how he's progressing and whether. But I think he might be injured. I think he might have got hurt. Box mm. Hill, so I'm not sure what what they're going to get from him. Um, I'd see Dallas Willsmore play a game in Melbourne. Yep. Rather than just play the two he played with. Yeah, I want to see him on the G. I want to see him on the MCG. It's, yeah. I'm the same. I actually want to see Wills more so play a game in the MCG and see what he can bring rather than sort of on the SCG, which didn't really suit him. Mm. Um, so there's a couple of things I'd like to see for the end of the year. I mean, we, we might as well keep winning. There's no point tanking because we don't have, no, that, we no. don't have that first round pick. And given the, so, how many of my friends breakfast and killed her, uh, <laughs> I'd love us to, to just win every game from here and oh, be, eighth or ninth. It'd and, be amazing. And, we'd, and, and the... Pick two or three they've been anticipating much of the year turns out to be pick eight or nine. So and, and everyone, not only St Kilda supporters, everyone, every other opposition supporter seems so smug about it as well. Yeah. So to, to suddenly claw off the canvas, it'd be uh, be pretty yeah. pretty special. I think well, I think opposition supporters already starting to come to terms with the fact that Hawthorne might have already bottomed out. Yeah, right. And they're on the way back. It's going to take. You know, it's not going to. It's going to be a slow climb, and that's yeah. it might be without Hodge next year and. Maybe one or two others. It could be a struggle. The other thing, the expectation for the year is, you know, I would like to see Amira play because it's important. Yeah. What Hawthorne doesn't want to do and what the player certainly wouldn't want to have happen is to have to go into another six months of uncertainty and, oh, it was a bust and yeah. is he ever going to play again? How's his knee? I think that's why they're really keen to get him onto the field for peace of mind, for player and club before the end of the year. If you can string two or three games, all he needs to do is play th- string three games together, yep. either at VFL or AFL level by the end of the season, come Just out of those pain-free, now back up and play the next week, back up and play the next week, yep. and then suddenly that question mark's gone over the summer, then suddenly he's the boom recruit for next year. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important that he actually went to Tasmania with the group on for the Giants game. He yeah. travelled with the team, which suggests to me that they have every intention of him playing for the end of the year. I hope so. I, I think you're right. They need to do something to diffuse this pressure cooker atmosphere that's surrounding him. I, I think the longer it goes on, I think the worse it's going to be for his confidence probably. And and it's bad for the footy club in general. Yeah, and they've, they've taken a hammering forward and people are say, saying, you know, people saying, who should know better saying, oh, it's been a dud trade. You only judge trades after two years. Um, whether it's been a success or failure, it is not looking brilliant at the moment. But if it's if we're in this boat this time next year, yes, then it has been a dud trade. Hmm. Uh, it would be unarguable. But I still think the Hawthorne Medical Rehab Fitness Team, hmm. given their body of work over the years, still should be backed in at this stage. And we talked about this before: Max Bailey, yes, Shane yep. Crawford, Surioli, to name just three, who they brought back from uh, really bad. Uh, leg injuries, so I'll back them in. Yeah, we, we dare to dream that O'Meara will come back this year. I mean, wouldn't that, assuming we continue the kind of form that we've shown o- over the last month, we'd finish off the season reasonably well, and then you have O'Meara back, 
and as you say, the, uh, I think there's a lot of opposition supporters who had really enjoyed the fact that we weren't going to be back for a few years. It turns out that you shouldn't write off Hawthorne. I think I might have said it before on the podcast. This is like Inception. You only think you've woken up from the nightmare. <laughs> Hawthorne is a nightmare you can't wake up from. We will win another premiership and we will win one soon, I hope. Listen, if they maintain the form they're showing at the moment and assume there's going to be a free agency pick up somewhere. I don't think it'll be one of the top shelf players, but I think there'll be one or two players that can add to the team. Mm. Um, say Amira comes in and resumes. This form carried into next season and they're back playing finals again. Yeah, Based on their much. form the last eight, nine weeks, if they, play, if they finish the season in a similar form to the show the last six, seven, eight weeks, mm. um, they're every chance to play finals next year. It's looking particularly rosy. I uh, I can't wait for the rest of the season. I think it's going to be a wild ride. I'm going to try not to get too annoyed if we drop a couple of games, with the exception of this week, of course. Yeah, I, I will the, yeah, be we don't, filthy if we drop this well, one. Well, I don't... Look, I actually, as much as I hate to say it, I think Geelong actually looking, looking very good. <laughs> um, they might win it. and They're a chance, for sure. Like they, they, and you, you never ride off Geelong against Hawthorne. I don't think... I don't expect Hawthorne to beat Geelong this week. Um, sorry to say that to the listeners, but um, <laughs> I would love them to. Ah, uh, uh, look, I, be, I reckon there's plenty be, of supporters out there. It's one of those games I will be sitting in the crowd with the scarf on and uh, forgetting I'm a, I'm a footy rider for a few hours and, <laughs> on Saturday. I look forward to enjoying the game, but um, oh, it'd be magnificent if they did win. No, be, no supporter I know is wandering into a Geelong game at any time thinking it's 100% a certainty of a win. I think we, we know better by now. We know how the story tends to go. Yeah. There's always a chance of losing it. They're playing pretty well, Geelong. Uh, yep. I think uh, I think it'll be a difficult game for Hawthorne this week. But you know, I'm, like I'm loving what I'm seeing out of Hawthorne at the moment. And I expect them to to make it a really good game. And mm. um, you know, hate losing and it's never acceptable. But uh, yeah, just want, want to bring a good effort. And I think, given the occasion on Saturday, I think they yeah, will. Got to rise to the occasion. Now, uh, speaking of occasions, it's award season. We press on. The inaugural Cotton Wool Award. Now, this is a story I found today. It's kind of outside the AFL, but still footy related. Now, in an effort to improve player retention and decrease beltings, the Riddle or Riddell District Football League has placed a cap on margins in junior games, the leader reports. Are you across this story? Yes. I, well, <laughs> not, not closely, but I've heard that the... Yeah, it's... Uh, it's a political correctness gone mad, isn't it? That is kind of, yeah, the angle that I want to take. Effectively, you know, just to get into the meat of it, they're looking at under 12 and under 16 uh, grades and they're capping the margin to 80 points for under 16s, 60 points in under 14s and 48 points under 12s. Um, well, just stop the game. If a team gets eight goals up in well, under 12s, they stop the game. Yeah, just, well, yeah. Mercy rule. Well, why not? I mean, why not take it one step further? I could have done it for the Geelong game earlier this year. We could have called it off in the last <laughs> quarter when they kicked ahead and Gold Coast game as well. So, no, nah, I'm not, not a big fan. No, it's just you're wrapping kids in cotton wool and not preparing them for the inevitable disappointment that that Give everyone a medal, Nick. Yeah, give everyone a medal. Everyone gets an award. Everyone gets a participation certificate. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't like it. Not a fan. I don't think you have to be ruthless and emotionally cold to not like it either. I just think it's logically a bad idea. Yeah, no, not a fan. We move on to uh, the inaugural award for wildest overreaction. Now, this is back to the AFL. Mid-match confrontation between a Blues fan and Clayton Oliver, which uh, there's, a, there's a number of angles you can Explain take Explain this, this to me. Oliver runs yep. towards the fence. Yep. As happens at the football. A million times. A million times a game. Yep. The supporter gobs off. Yes. Oliver gobs back at him, mm -hmm. and he's the one who has to apologise. <laughs> it's it, not only does am he have I to, missing something here? <laughs> not only does he have to apologise, I believe the supporter himself demanded that he apologise because he's super entitled to it. Uh, yeah, it's it. Look, once I started reading more about this story, because I certainly was of that opinion, I still am to a degree. Allegedly, what. Clayton Oliver said to the fan was he threatened to kill him, yeah. which might be an overreaction. Uh, I so can't... they've got one, one, one supporter sitting in the um, front row, yep. you know, having a pie and chips and a Coke, yep. having his day out. The other guy is clocking up 15Ks <laughs> a game, with someone trying to, you know, with, with opponents trying to you know, hurt him every time he gets the ball. Yeah. In a highly 
stressful situation for his team. Yep. And he drops, I'm, I'm going to kill you in the heat of battle. Yeah. And the supporter wants an apology. What's apology? Once again, I don't get it. It's, it's, and as someone who works in the media, as soon as it happened, you just knew, oh my God, this is just going to do- dominate the news cycle. <laughs> For I, next two or three days, and it's going to get general reporters coming down, <laughs> standing outside AFL house where I work. You know, door stopping, door stopping, and <laughs> looking dolefully into a camera. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, spare me. <laughs> I will because <laughs> I, I'm I'm kind of the same opinion. I was reluctant to bring it up on the podcast, but I was genuine, genuinely curious to see what someone else thought of it. Um, yeah, I think it's ridiculous that someone should demand an apology for that. Yeah, it's like you got no right to, you know. Oliver should have said anything. No, but he should have to apologise for what he says in the heat of battle. No, there's, look, there's for all we know. I mean, there's people mic'd up on the ground now, but before that, decades of people mm. saying much worse things than oh, that. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm absolutely certain of that. So, also, I think the bewildering thing is: have we not learned? Like that—that was not a racially motivated thing, incident this time. But we've had those in the past. Adam Goods. Like, can we just? If you if you're going to take a seat on the boundary line, it's going to Caroline Wilson Hawthorne supporter started it. So, with Adam Goods, (laughs) that's all we're going to say. Is is that that's not a legit angle that she took with that? Yeah. No way. I must have missed that. There's my homework. We're going to track that down. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you about it. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> do I want to track it down? It's just going to make me angry. Uh, we should probably leave it there, Ash. Uh, you've got you've got plenty of work to do. You've got pieces to write. I'm writing you know. Alistair Clarkson for next week's record because he becomes the longest serving coach in the history of the Hawthorne Football Club. So it's, it's all happening. So I'm writing a feature on Clarkson for next week's record that uh, needs to be finished. And uh, give us one last plug for you if you're AFL record piece this week on uh, Luke yeah, Hodge. Yeah, so Luke Hodge. Um, and uh, yeah, had a coffee last week. Really good tea. He talk, talks about, and I'll save it for the, for the article, and there'll be mm. a, a smaller version on the website. Talks about the early days, and he had the comparisons between uh, himself, um, Chris Judd, and Luke Ball, and how he worked his way through all of that. So that was a really good angle to that story, and mm. it talks about his opponents and compares the premierships and that sort of thing. So I think Hawthorne supporters will enjoy reading. I enjoyed writing it. Um, so that's in this week's record. So there you go, folks. As you roll into the MCG, pick up a copy of the AFL record from uh, one of those high-vis people. Uh, my son's self-woody record. So uh, if you see two people who look like me, if you know what I look like, then uh, <laughs> uh, grab it off them. Well, there you go. You've also got the podcast. Yeah, the, uh, the Four Horsemen, Horsemen, which is uh, available on iTunes and through SEN. Uh, we had a uh, former colleague of mine, Paul Goff, on the um, podcast. And a shout-out next week, our special guest is Adam Collins. There you go. As in Colo yep, from Hawk Headquarters. Headquarters. He's got an amazing story, how he went from being uh, Wayne Swan's media advisor to yeah. a leading crew commentator in the space of about five years. So, uh, rack on to uh, DJ, Hawthorne supporter, operative... Um, ladies man I'm told <laughs> as well uh, and, he's and one of the great people Colo so looking forward to having a chat to him on next week's podcast I, I think you've summed up he is one of the great people he's a top bloke so that is absolutely worth a listen that just about wraps it up I'll give us a plug as well I, I want you to get on iTunes if you haven't already rate and review us on there every little bit helps and encourages us to keep on going and talking nonsense about players who don't necessarily deserve it who come out and play a great game the next week you know you want to hear that so uh get on itunes and rate us and uh get on twitter as well at hawk talk pod is where you want to go and uh, engage with us it's always great especially with with interstate games like we just had uh the live tweeting is phenomenal it's great to hear from everyone and uh good news is no one has told me but I'm going to assume they, they very much missed his, but he'll be back. He makes his podcast. We're, we're just happy to fill in, but he, he makes the podcast with you, Nick. So we're, we do welcome him back with open arms next week. I certainly do. I'm sure he's got many tales from Paris. I don't know if any of them are Hawthorne related, but I, I, I could be surprised. We wait and see what happens. He's certainly going to be attending the Geelong game, and so should you. Ash will be. I will be. We're going to celebrate Luke Hodgins' soul. His farewell tour begins now. We are a happy team at Hawthorne.